Now, um, as a South African, if you tell someone that you are from South Africa, probably the first question the person would ask you would be with regards to the apartheid. And I would like to ask, I don't know if you were born during that period. If you were born, how was the experience like? But if you weren't born during that period, what were the stories you heard probably from your dad, your mom, aunt, uncle, whosoever? And as a young South Africa, how do you even process that? Black people were allocated in their own area and colored people. So colored people is a mixture. So uh, let's say white and black, uh, a white and black person have a child and that child will be mixed. So they are classified as colored in uh, South Africa. So they had their own area. I might not have experienced it firsthand. However, we can still see the consequences of apartheid in the education system. Hello, my name is Dayomoyo. I'm speaking to you from Lagos, Nigeria. Good afternoon. What's your name? Where are you talking to me from? And what is your best country? Uh, hi, my name is Cafe Kabbada. Uh, and uh, I'm from Ethiopia. I'm originally from Ethiopia. Hello, my name is Minganzuma Ani, and I'm speaking to you from Kigali, Rwanda. Um, my name is Boloko Mukwai, and I'm speaking to you from Masteru in Lesotho. Can you say, I love Africa in your native dialect? Mokota l'Afrique. Niakutanda Africa. Kerata Africa. Ndinoda Africa. I said they go to speak to someone from every African country about their countries. They are 54 in number from Algeria in the north to Central African Republic at the center to Nigeria in the west, Kenya in the east, Botswana in the south. The goal is for me and you to learn something about every African country. Are you ready for this virtual trip? My name is Dayo Moyo and this is the future. Hello, my name is Dayo Moyo. I'm speaking to you from Lagos, Nigeria. What is your name? Where are you speaking to me from and what is your best country? Okay, I am Kitabi Lindelu. I am a South African, currently studying at um, Japan. I'm doing my master's here in um, Japan. How has been Japan? Japan has been amazing, I don't want to lie. Um, the system, the way that people live with one another and just how everything operates, it's, it's a marvel, you know. You look at how clean the country is, it, it's rare to even find a letter and how disciplined the people are. It's always shocking. Um, let me make an example. You can maybe lose a wallet somewhere, maybe in a bus or somewhere in town. And you can find that wallet. No one is going to take it. Or you can even leave your wallet at a campus. You can leave your laptop anywhere. And you'll find your things exactly as you left them. So it's, it's really shocking to see that um, such a society exists. And people can live in peace together, you know. So I'm really learning a lot from Japan. Right. It's funny how this was Africa um, some years ago. I, I remember my dad telling me about this same thing you are explaining happening in 
in my country nigeria many years ago a few years ago but as you speak i'm wondering are you able to communicate do you speak english or is there any language you need to learn to be able to communicate it's it's way to find someone who knows english you know you actually lucky if you do find someone who knows english so you really need to know the language however uh we haven't attained that i haven't attained that personally um i use uh, technology google translate and other apps in order to uh, communicate because most people um don't know english wow that's really something but let's leave japan and let's talk about you and let's talk about south africa now the first question i would like to ask you in this regard would be what's your native name or what are your native names and what's the meaning of it my name is sitabile which means we are happy what of your surname do you know the meaning of your surname most of the time okay sometimes yes we do have meanings in our surnames but for mine uh, no i don't really know uh, meaning of my surname Right. And, and this is interesting because I've spoken to a number of people from a number of African countries and I discovered that some people just say that either they don't know the meaning of their surname or maybe their surname do not have a distinct meaning. And talking as a Nigerian and particularly in my tribe, I really cannot think of a name that does not have a distinct meaning like in my tribe i just can't think of maybe there is but i just can't think of so i just keep wondering this is interesting but how does these things work i i i agree with you uh partially with, with where i'm coming from um yes we do have surnames with uh meanings like Ndlovu means um elephants you see so it does translate others surname do have a meaning but others i don't know maybe it does have a meaning we're just not knowledgeable about it you know right still speaking about names my name is moyo that's my first name it means um i rejoice and i was speaking with someone from zimbabwe and i came to understand that moyo is a clan name in zimbabwe and also reading long walk to freedom the autobiography of um, nelson mandela I also realized that Mandela had a clan name Madiba. And so I'm curious, how does clan name work? And do you have a clan name? Yes, um, I do. Um, I do have a clan name. I, 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 I have no idea because the clan names, uh, let me just make an example. So my father's uh, surname is Ngobo. And um, his clan name is uh, So when you directly translate that, it actually means eyebrows are so beautiful, like they're going to preach. So <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't really have meaning, you know. I don't know how it came about, <laughs> but it's just there you know it relates to 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 the clan and it's passed on so i really don't know i'm i'm saying what i said it, it's it's a clan name mixed with a praise that comes with your surname 
and every surname has um, their different uh, praise uh, whenever, like maybe there's a function and then someone wants to say something about your surname. So I, I, I have no idea. I really don't know. <laughs> I think I should research more about it. Right, right. I, I do understand. Now, um, as a South African, if you tell someone that you are from South Africa, probably the first question the person would ask you would be with regards to the apartheid. And I would like to ask, I don't know if you were born during that period. If you were born, how was the experience like? But if you weren't born during that period, what were the stories you heard probably from your dad, your mom, aunt, uncle, whosoever? And as a young South Africa, how do you even process that? Okay, um, I wasn't born um, during the apartheid area, uh, era uh, because it started from the 1948 until 1994. So I was born after that. So I've heard um, a few stories from people around my family did not, yes, they did experience apartheid. However, how can I say? They were um, not in the hotspot, you know. For an example, in Soweto, where the uprising was happening, where the youth were uh, fighting the system, in uh, rural areas, it wasn't, apartheid was there, but the resistance towards it, you know, wasn't given much light as it was in uh, Soweto, Sharpville, other places where there was resilience. So um, I might not know any personal experience, but I've watched uh, testimonies of um, other people who've experienced um, uh, segregation. And uh, it's, it, it was, it's really sad, you know. Let me just... Um, uh, make an, an, a scenario of how things were. Uh, white people had their own uh, transportation, uh, own public toilets, and you couldn't use a toilet that is the same as a white person. And uh, also education-wise, you couldn't attend schools that had white people. So people were segregated. Even the name apartheid, it means apart, meaning it was a system that segregated people. It was a system that uh, separated people, not just white and black, but also different tribes, you know, different races. Indians were allocated in their own area. Black people were allocated in their own area. And colored people, so colored people is a mixture. So uh, let's say white and black, uh, uh, a white and black person have a child and that child will be mixed. So they are classified as colored in uh, South Africa. So they had their own area. I might not have experienced it firsthand. However, we can still see the consequences of apartheid in the education system. And uh, even sometimes you do, you do get that tension, you know, when you talk about this topic, you still feel it. You know, so yeah, that is my experience with um, the apartheid history. Right. I don't know. Do you have an idea why there is a long history of the presence of Indians and South Africans? I mean, 
um indians are present in various parts of africa i know that even in nigeria we've got indians but if you even understand that for example matman gandhi one of the foremost national leader of india at a point in time lived in south africa in fact for a long period of time yes in south africa so i'm wondering do you have an idea why there is a long history of the presence of indians in south africa um yes um i grew up in a um, indian community and uh, i attended a predominantly indian school so in my matric year in my grade 12 i was um i think the only black person in my class, but other classes had uh, maybe eight African people, you know, for, for me, you know, it, it was, I was in the community that was, um, uh, that had predominantly Indian people. So um, according to history, Indian people are so many in South Africa because of um, the British uh, colonizers. So they brought Indian people from India to work at the plantations, the railways, and the mines, especially in the province of KwaZulu-Natal. So most of the Indians that are in South Africa, um, they were brought, their ancestors now, because now it's a new generation, they were brought to um to, to the plantation fields to work at the sugarcane fields. So um, in different provinces, it, it, the number of um, Indian people is, is not the same. For an example, in KZN, there's a huge number, you know, there's many, many communities where there's a vast majority of Indian people. However, when you go to uh, Bumalanga, um, Okay, also Gauteng has, but it's not as um, populated as in Durban because of the history of um, uh, colonization and being brought to work in the plantation and in the mines. So that's why we have a number of Indian people. Right. This makes perfect sense to me. Now let's talk about the composition of South Africa. We know that there's the Indian population, there's the white population. But if we talk about the native population, I mean the black population, what's the tribe like? What's the division like in terms of tribes? So about 80% of um, South Africans are black people. And in that 80%, we have um, different tribes, which is the Kosa, Ndebele, Zulu. We have Tuana, Swati people, Sutu, Pedi, um, Tonga and Venda. So we have like nine different uh, tribes. And uh, some uh, tribes are very similar to one another. Even the language is not too different, uh, but others are very um, different. For an example, let me make an example. Tosa, okay, Sizulu, Siswadi, Ndabele. And Tosa, they are grouped into the Nguni group. So they're a bit similar. Uh, however, they're not the same. The culture is not the same. The language is not the same, but they are similar to one another. The Sutu and the Pedi, they are also similar one way or the other. 
uh, some words are the same, you know, but they're not exactly the same. So does it now mean that the language that cuts across board is English? Yes. Right, but I know that um, the white population, South African population, speak a language called Afrikaans. And there was a time that it was even passed into the law that um, the language should be forced down the throat of black the black population. Now, I'm wondering how popular is the Afrikaans language in South Africa? And can black people actually speak or understand the language? Afrikaans is quite popular. Apartheid, the word apartheid itself comes from Africa, the Afrikaans language. And uh, during the apartheid time, black people were forced to know the language. They had to know the language of the oppressors. So most of the black people knew their own um, traditional or their own language and then they had to know also Afrikaans. I think Afrikaans are spoken even more than English. And currently, even though apartheid is a thing of a past, Afrikaans is still pretty much um, a presence. There are still schools that um, teach um, like a medium of instruction is Afrikaans, the textbooks in certain schools, not all the schools, certain schools. There are even universities that just um, use uh, Afrikaans as a medium of communication. And you can imagine the textbooks um, offered in Afrikaans. So it's pretty much still very uh, dominant, but not as much as English. We still have schools. Um, however, you choose whether you want to attend that school. It's not enforced as it was in the past. Right. Let's talk about the capitals of South Africa. I still do not fully understand where, why there are three capitals in the country. But let's talk about the capitals of, Af of South Africa as well as the popular cities in South Africa. And one thing that I've been trying to wrap my head around is why Johannesburg is the most popular um, city in South Africa, especially for we that we are not South Africans outside of South Africa. And it's not the capital of the country or it's not even one of the capitals of the, of the country. Why is this the case? Let me just answer your last question first. So Johannesburg is um, another word for Johannesburg. We call it Goli. So we call it the city of gold. So it was the first city that uh, gold was found. So many people moved from different provinces to Johannesburg in order to find employment. So since back then, Johannesburg was seen as a place of hope, a place of gold, and even now, it's still considered a place where um, things happen, where dreams come true, you know, because of the past, where it, it was where gold was found. So people uh, went to Johannesburg in order to mine there. And uh, a lot is happening in uh, Johannesburg, you know. Most of our economy, I believe, is in Johannesburg because a lot is happening. And the city of Johannesburg is, is very big. 
And uh, okay, we have three capital cities, Pretoria, Bloemfontein, and Cape Town. Pretoria uh, serves uh, the executive uh, part of the city, um, and then uh, Bloemfontein is the judicial part, and then um, Cape Town is the legislative. So that's why we have three capital cities. They all serve different functions. So um, we have Johannesburg, we have Cape Town, we have Durban. I feel like those are the three popular. But we do have Nelspruit and other cities. However, the most popular is Cape Town, Johannesburg and Durban. Right. I would like to know what's the administrative division of the country of South Africa. For example, in Nigeria, we have three tiers of government. We have the federal government, we have the state government, and we have the local government. We also have the three-year-tick government. We have the legislative, which is the parliament, and it normally has 350 to 400 members. And uh, it also has national council uh, provinces, and which is like 90 delegates. Then we have the executive uh, part of our governance, which is um, the, uh, where the president and the deputy president and the ministers are. Then we have the judicial one, which includes the constitutional courts, high courts, the Supreme Court. So we also have a three-tier uh, uh, government. Are you divided into states or regions or counties? We have provinces. We have different, we have nine different provinces. And uh, each province has its own minister. However, they work together with uh, the South African law and we have one president. Now, the next question I have for you would be that what's the primary mode of transportation in South Africa? And do you have a unique name you call the minibuses that carry people and goods from one part of town to the other? So the predominant of mode of transportation is a minibus. It's like a, a taxi. It's a minibus slash taxi. Um, yeah, and uh, also people use buses trains but the dominant one is a, a minibus no we do not have any special term for for the bus we just call it a taxi like the minibus it's just called a taxi we don't have a, any special name now before i ask you a question on the educational system in the country there is this question i should have asked earlier but it escaped my mind so i'll ask it now and um, anybody who is familiar with the history of South Africa knows that the first time the black population was allowed to participate in an election was in 1994. So I'm wondering, when do you celebrate independence as a country? Is it the time you got independence from the British or is it the time you got independence from the white settler? Okay. Let me just go back. So the British independence happened on um, the 31st of May. And uh, however, we do not celebrate that day. We uh, celebrate 27th of April. 
and we call it Freedom Day. And that's when the elections were first held in 1994. Right. And, and this makes perfect sense. I think the other day I was interviewing or speaking with someone from Zimbabwe. And she also told me that in Zimbabwe, they celebrate not the day they gained independence from the British, but the day they gained independence from the white settlers. And I think many people do not know the similarities between the history of South Africa and the history of Zimbabwe. In fact, it's the same guy that um, came into South Africa that went around into, I think, Zimbabwe and then ended in Zambia. So there's like a connection um, in history there. So it makes perfect sense to me. Now let's talk about the educational system in the country. What was it like? Okay, so um, uh, we normally spend 12 years in school and um, from primary uh, seven years until the seventh grade, then high schools from grade eight until 12. So you spend uh, 12 years in school. Now let's talk food. What's South Africa cuisine like? Okay, um, I think I'll just mention the popular food, but fried meat, uh, burros, bultong, which is like dried meat. It's like a beef jerky. Yeah, so those are the most popular food that people would recommend if you had to come to South Africa. Now let's say I want to marry a South African lady. What should I expect in terms of marriage custom, especially in your own tribe? You need to have um, lobola, which is a bright price. Normally, for for me, I will just speak for a, a Zulu tribe. For us, so what they normally do is to calculate the present amount, like how much one cow is. And then they will charge you for those 11 cows. So you have to pay that amount. However, since you are going to send people who are going to negotiate you and they can decrease the, the, the price. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention, in the 11 cows, there are two cows that are expensive. They're not the same amount as the others in the 11 as compared to the other uh, other cows. But uh, yeah, you really need to have uh, money for your bride price. And what will really help is to try and see how much a cow is and then you times it by 11. But you can negotiate and it also depends on the family. After the price is paid, um, you have to um, give like um, a basket. In the basket, you just put uh, different types of food. Then you give to your mother. The, the lady has to, to give the mother-in-law of um, the guy's side. If that does not happen, then there has to be like a function that is going to be uh, sponsored by the lady so that they... they they take things like uh, food, like a bag of rice, and they send it to the guy's place. So in order to avoid that, you, you can just make a, a basket 
and then you you just fill it with maybe a bag of rice, different kind of things. Then you hand it to the family. And then after that, most people have what we call um so where the the man has to come with gifts, um, gifts and um, blankets to the family, the, the woman's family. And um, they also uh, have, there's a list that is written um, in the lady's side. Um, so the family formulates a list, what the guy should offer the next time that he comes back. So I think during the member, so he has to, to buy what is there on the list and it depends on the family what they want after umembeso um we jump to the traditional zulu wedding yeah so in the traditional zulu wedding the lady now needs to provide gifts to the guys and yeah and then that's the traditional um zulu wedding however in south africa now we also have the white wedding. So people have two weddings. They have the traditional Zulu wedding or whichever tribe they belong to. They have their traditional wedding. They all have the white wedding. So that's just the, the process of um, the Zulu uh, wedding custom. Now, the last question I have for you before I ask the far-hand question, I usually ask every guest that come on an episode of this podcast in this series is what are some of the tourist attractions that one should visit when one comes to south africa so um cape town is very beautiful uh, the beach is blue and the sand is um it's, it's really nice um the mountains in cape town is very it's, cape town is very beautiful and uh, you can also go to durban um, it also has an aquarium. Uh, you can also, I think, experience um, the Indian tradition. There's also a place where you're just going to feel how it's like to explore um, Indian culture, you know, and try a lot of Indian dishes like the, the bani chow. Um, there's also a place called um, in Bumalanga. Bumalanga is like a um, province that has a lot of uh, beautiful nature so that's where you're going to see uh, mountains i would advise someone to visit those places now let's take the fire round question the first of the two fire round question i usually ask is can you recite your national anthem okay it's fine i will recite it um let me just look for the background uh yeah, the instruments of the national anthem. I will try and recite it for you. But you see the Lenny Africa, Malupa Ganyesu, Pondolayo, Israelitanda, Soyeti, Gosi. Sigelela Tina Musa Polwayo Murena Bulu Kwasi Chava Sayesu Uf 
Fedi Zedi Tzwali Matwedehu Usibulu Kehu Sibulu Sichabasa Yesu Sichabasa South Africa South Africa a diplom fan answer <laughs> the first part, what language is it? It's um Tosa. Kosisigale Africa is Tosa. Um Malupagani Sutimolabo is Zulu. Um it's also Sesutu, Afrikaans, and lastly English. Oh, so it's a combination of everything. Yes, it's a mix of, of everything but it's not all the languages but majority of them are included now before i ask the last question the, of the fire and question i would like to know um i is it that i don't know if this is correct correct me if i'm wrong is it that the national symbol of south africa is the rainbow not really the symbol but um it's known as the rainbow nation so just as the rainbow has different colors, South Africa also has diver a diversity, you know. And uh, 11 of these languages are South Africa's official languages. There's also different uh, races and there's different cultures. We have Indian, Khosan, Debele. So all these cultures have the different traditional uh, attires, uh, languages, and uh, so that's why South Africa is known as a, 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 a rainbow nation because of the diversity that you will find when you visit South Africa. Oh, now I get it. Now, the last question I have for you is, can you say I love Africa in your, in your native dialect? Oh, yes. Um Ngaitanda i Africa, that is Zulu. Afrikaans is Ekezlia for Africa. Beautiful, just beautiful. Thanks a lot for taking out time to speak to me about your lovely country. I do not take it for granted. Have a lovely evening at your end, afternoon at my end, or more correctly, have a lovely night because I know it's 11 p.m. currently. Bye. And this is what I have for you on today's episode of the podcast. Remember, the goal is to give inspiring Africans a platform to tell their stories. My name is Dayo Moyo. 
do have a lovely weekend.